Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Talking Sports with Evan of audio-only version as I'm having some technical difficulties to do a video here tonight. Uh, but I will be back via video next week for sure. But for tonight, we're going to do audio. And I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to Talking Sports with Evan. Uh, it is Thursday, May 12th. And just to get an idea for those listening to whenever you... For those who listen to it whenever you do, so you kind of have an understanding of uh, what, you know, where the information is dated. So for today's show, the 2022 Packer times and dates were announced. I don't want to say the schedule is announced because it's really not the schedule announcement because we already know who they're playing. We just don't know the when and the when and time, but now we know both. You know, this year Packers will be going to London and in week five against the Giants, and then back in Lambeau for week six against the Jets, which is kind of kind of weird to me that they don't get a bye after the London trip. But I guess you know they kind of get a little bit of say in that. And apparently they didn't want they didn't want the bye so early in the year. Um, so now it's going to be the bye is going to be much much later in week fourteen, which is kind of late. Question: I'm kind of interested on the why you know, week 14 then, but regardless, I'll get to that momentarily. So I'm going to kind of talk about the schedule and the way it's laid out and my thoughts on it. I'm not really uh, predict, predict, predicting wins and losses, that kind of thing, but really, I guess, where the schedule might get difficult is what I'm going to more focus at because, you know, that that's what I look at. Uh, the other thing, Milwaukee Bucks. Big, 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 big game five victory over the Boston Celtics uh, yesterday. Play again tomorrow, Friday, for those listening uh, a few days later. That's why, again, it's dated. But the Bucks get a huge, huge win in game five. And wow, was it a finish if you're a Bucks fan. If you're a Boston fan, you're feeling how us Bucks fans were feeling in game four. You're not happy. You're fed up. You're mad. But as a Bucks fan, boy, am I excited with the way that ended. And Milwaukee Brewers and Christian Yelich, that's where, that's where I'm going to talk about as well. Is Christian Yelich back? That is my question of the show. Is Chris, Christian Yelich back? And I don't know if he's truly back to his 2018 MVP form. 2019 should have been MVP form. I don't know if he's quite back to that yet, but it is looking promising, and I got some stats, I got some data, I got some information that I will share with you on why I feel Christian Yelich is going in that right direction. But before we go any further, last Sunday was Mother's Day, and I do want to give a shout-out to all the moms out there. I know it, you know, it should be Mother's Week, Mother's Month, but Mother's Day was this past Sunday. And I especially want to give a big shout out to my mother, Kathy. Um, you know, I was I, I, I work part time at a radio station in Milwaukee, WTMJ, and we have this show called The Truth on WTMJ Sunday nights from uh, seven to nine with Dr. Ken Harris and Denise Thomas. And they were asking the question. They're they're asking the question during the first segment of the show. Um, what did you learn from your mother? What did your mother teach you? What lesson did you get from your mom? You know, whatever. And I just want to say this. The, the, the biggest thing I got from my mom is 
don't put limitations on yourself. And don't let, let, let me back up. Don't let other people put limitations on you. Don't let other people put limitations on you. And what I mean by that is as far back as I can remember when I was a kid, a young kid, a, a small kid, um, I, you know, I, would, I struggled with speech. I struggled with writing. I struggled with um, tying shoes. Like I had some motor issue things that I needed some work on with some therapy and speech therapy and PT stuff like, you know, per physical therapy, occupation, whatever. I, I needed some extra things to get along. And because of this, you know, doctors and specialists and ex experts, you know, it's not a live video, so you can't see me doing the air quotes, but I am experts. Um, always trying to doubt. Um, and my mom never let them. They said no. Um, they, you know, they felt that I would never be able to speak to be understood. Because uh, of my speech and uh, speech issue that I had, and here I am. I do a podcast every week. I work for the biggest radio station in the state of Wisconsin as a producer. Get some on air time from time to time. I'm a social worker, so ultimately I talk for a living. So I went from never be able to be understood when I speak to I talk for a living. I talk too much sometimes, but I talk for a living. That's what I do. Either my podcast. Communicating with the on-air hosts, um, communicating with people on the phone, my airtime when I do get it, as minimal as it is, and social work, I got to talk to people. I got to talk in court. I got to talk to clients. I got to talk to parents. I got to talk to law enforcement. I got to talk to attorneys, district, district attorneys, whatever. So I went from never going to be able to speak to be understood to here I am Right now, speaking, and for you know, you all can understand what I'm saying. Um, they wanted me to learn sign language, which is a, I, I I wish I would have learned sign language to be honest too, but they wanted me to learn sign language only because they didn't think I would ever be able to talk. And my mom was like, "No, that ain't happening. You know, he's going to be able to talk. He's going to be able to learn." Uh, be spoke to be understood, and here I am. Um, the elementary school I went to, you know, I think it was third grade or fourth grade, I think it was third grade. This, they do a school-wide reading test, and teachers and administrators at the school felt like that I would be best served not taking the test, which my mom was like, no, he's taking that test. No, 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 he's taking that test to Fine, he can take the test, but we're not going to count it against the school the school score because um, we don't want it to you know hurt our score. And she's like, "No, you're gonna he's going to take the test. The score is going to count, and that's the way it's going to be." And I took the reading test, and I got the high one of the highest scores, if not the highest scores in the school. Um, so yeah, again, you know, so. One of the biggest, like, the point I'm trying to get is one of the biggest lessons, you know, thanks, Mom, love you, Mom. Uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned from her is don't let other people put doubt, don't let other people doubt what you can do. And that drives me each and every day. That drives me on everything I do because I like proving people wrong. Oh, and I also do play-by-play -play color commentary for 
high school sports, Racine Raiders. Um, I officiate football. Again, I got to talk. I talk for a living. So, again, that is what lesson, one of the biggest lessons that was instilled to me from my mom. Aside, you know, I could, you know, work ethic and working hard, things like that, too. But her, she, she was one that would never give up on me and did not allow the doctors, the teachers, the the specialists to give up on me either. So with that said, um, you know, I spent the first now eight minutes of the show, or not quite eight minutes, I did my intro, but I spent the last, you know, six minutes of the show giving a shout out to my mother. And I, I, I don't know if she's going to tune in or not, but um, so yeah, that's just what I wanted to get off my chest. I didn't get a chance to share it on air on Sunday because then we had changed topics and it wasn't really a time to get that out there on Sunday when we talked about it. So my podcast, my show here, Talking Sports with Evan, figured I would do it now. So where to start? And I think I'm going to start with the Milwaukee Bucks and what it what an Eastern Conference semifinals it has been. Um, we're, we're now getting to Game Six uh, tomorrow in Milwaukee. Bucks and six can happen again, and I'm super stoked, super excited for this game. You know, Game One, uh, the Bucks ended up, you know, winning in in Boston. They took Game One, which was huge because you you eliminated that 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 home court. Uh, advantage that Boston had by not only beating Boston but dominating them 101 to 89. Unfortunately, they got completely destroyed in game 2, 109 to 86. Well, they came back and took game 3 in Milwaukee, 103 to 101, and we uh we game 4 was a heartbreaker. Cuz game 4 the Bucks should have won. The Bucks had a double-digit lead at one point in that game, double-digit. Going into you know, go at one point in the game, they had a a lead in the fourth quarter, and they completely and utterly uh, crapped the bed. And here we go. Um, they lost. They ended up losing by eight. They went from looking like they're in complete control of this game to being dominated. And it, it sucked. It, it, it sucked as a Bucks fan watching the Bucks just completely fall apart um, in that game. And they ended up, as I said, they ended up getting the win. I mean, again, they ended up losing. Um, but they ended up getting the win in game five. So they go back to Boston, tied series, 2-2. It was about to be a 3-1 Bucks, uh, uh, yeah, 3-1 Bucks uh, dominating, commanding 3-1 series lead to 2-2 tie going back into Boston and going into that fourth quarter at one point being down 14. It did not look good at all. Boy, I I'm glad I was wrong. I I'm not gonna lie. I gave up hope. I've been banging the drum. Bucks are gonna take the series in six uh, from the start. Um, but I lost hope. I, I lost hope. They're down 14. They can't get enough defensive stops to you know they they cut away they cut into the lead a little bit and then boom Boston nails a couple point a couple baskets in a row. They try it again and boom again Boston. 
they can't get a you know that other stop. And it looked like they they were kept getting within arm's length of Boston. And every time they did, Boston would jump back up ahead. Eventually, it became a 14-point game, and it did not look good. Looked like they're going to be down 3-2, going back to Milwaukee. Must-win game at home. But now they're up 3-2, and it is a must-win game for Boston now because if Boston loses, they go home, and their season is over. But the, the Bucks had the heart of a champion. You know, they are the defending NBA champions until they're not. And they show that heart of a champion. They got gritty. They fought. They clawed. They worked their way back into the game. Giannis nailed a huge three, I think with a minute 40 to go, to cut a six-point lead to three. Drew Holiday nailed a big three with 47 seconds to go to tie the game. Giannis nailed a free throw to put the Bucks up by one. Then he missed the second. Uh, oh, correction. He... Missed the first free throw to put them down by one when they were back down by two. Uh, he misses the second one with them down by one. Bobby Portis gets the offensive rebound, one-handed hook shot, gets the put back, gets them up by one. And then, just like the NBA Finals last year, Drew Holiday comes up big, comes up the biggest when he, we need him the most. With a big block on Marcus Smart, didn't draw any contact, got all ball, then was able to get, get, keep his balance and throw the ball off of Marcus Smart as he was falling out of bounds. So his last touch by the Bucks, Pat C nailed two big free throws, put the Bucks up by three, and then stole the ball away from Marcus, uh, Marcus Smart to uh, seal the victory, and the Bucks win one ten to one oh seven, and it was an exciting finish and. It is, I think, what the Bucks needed. I think it is what the Bucks needed after the way they lost Game Four, and the way it looked like they were going to lose Game Five. And they not only got the win, but now they're up three-two in the series. So Game Six, I think the Bucks take Game Six. I so Drew Holiday has been struggling a lot this series, a lot this playoffs, up and down offensively. Especially game four, he went five for twenty-two. He didn't go five for twenty-two in game five. He he made some big baskets in the fourth quarter, made some big defensive stops. If Giannis is Giannis, and then I'm not saying we need Giannis to score forty points, but if Giannis is Giannis, not forcing stuff, letting the game come to him, taking what the the um taking what the the Celtics are giving him, finding the open man, if they're able to knock down those shots, the Bucks are going to win this game. Pat C., Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, those three need to play big. They need to have a big game in Milwaukee to seal this because I don't want to go back to Boston on Sunday tied up at 3-3 because it's going to be tough to win a third game on the road in a best of seven. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult, but... Can they do it? Yes. I don't want to tempt fate. I want to get this win at Pfizer Forum, seal the deal, and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is looking like right now they're going to be playing the uh, Miami Heat if the Bucks are to win this series. It's looking like the winner of this Bucks celtics series will play the Heat as the Heat are up 97-85 on Philadelphia with a minute 31 to go in the game 
currently. So that's where we're at. So I was impressed, as I said. The Bucks played like a team that had the heart of a champion. We all saw it, and it was great to see. And the Bucks now, as I said, are up three to two, and we get to see what happens tomorrow. And I think they, as I said, I think the Bucks pull it off, and we'll go from there. And we'll find out uh, right around this time tomorrow, give or take a few minutes, because it is a six thirty start. So, in about an hour from recording, um, we will find out if the Bucks are moving on or if they have to play once again. So, moving on now to the Packers' twenty twenty two schedule, and as I, I'm not a big um, big schedule guy, uh, you know, watch the re- schedule reveal show, things like that. I just, the schedule gets released. Let's take a look at it. We already know who they're playing. Let's find out the one. So not surprised. First two games are in the division. They open on the road against Minnesota, um, three twenty-five, Sunday, September 11th. Then they're at home against Chicago for their home opener, Sunday night football, 7-20 kickoff uh, against Chicago. The pet, We get to hear Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth uh, with Maria Taylor, the leading uh, the studio show for the first time uh, in a Packer game. Uh, then we get the Buccaneers on the road at 325 down in Tampa. Then the Patriots come to Green Bay. Uh, one of the gold package games, uh, 325 game. Then they go to London to play the Giants. And then they play home against the Jets the week after a 12 p.m. start. So I'm not uh, sure how I feel about not having a bye after flying to London. But, you know, maybe the, the Packers will surprise me and think they'll be fine. We'll see. Then they play Washington uh, Commanders. The day before my birthday, the 23rd, 12 p.m. start. Then they're on the road against Buffalo, on the road against Detroit. That's going to be a tough stretch of football because you're in London. Then you play immediately the following week at home. Then you're road, road, road. And then you're back at home against Dallas and then at home against the Titans. That can be that middle stretch for the Packers right there can be a pretty tough stretch. Um, you, you, you're, you're playing two playoff teams back-to-back. In Tampa Bay and New England. After two tough divisional games, you're playing two playoff teams from last year. Then you fly to London. The you know then you're back a week later from London, and then you got road, road, road before you're back home for two. So the 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 first part of the Packers schedule to me looks pretty can be looks like it can be pretty difficult. Looks like it can be pretty tough. Um, Mike McCarthy. And we knew he was coming back to Lambeau. Now we know when. Uh, week 10, they play the Cowboys November 14th at home, 325 Fox game. Uh, get to see the new Fox uh, lead broadcaster and uh, analyst, which I, I'm not sure who the analyst will be for that particular game. It might be Greg Olson, which I hope it is. Um, then you got the Titans, which I will be at that Titans game. I will be at that Thursday night football game against the Tennessee Titans cheering on my Green Bay Packers to victory. Thank you, Scott. Uh, you know, my buddy Scott, a uh, friend of mine who I used to used to work with, uh, still a good friend of mine. Uh, he's uh, letting me go to that game with him. Uh, so I'm super excited for that. 
Then you got the Eagles on the road, week 12. Then you got the Bears on the road, week 13. And finally, the Green Bay Packers have their bye. They finally have their bye. After 13 straight weeks of football, including a stretch where you're playoff, playoff, London, home, road, road, road. A lot of That's going to be a tough stretch. And then you got Cowboys, Titans, and Eagles. Oh, my. Three other playoff teams from last year. You get the Bears, and then you get a bye. And then you, got, then you finish off with the Rams on December, on December 19th, Monday Night Football. Then you got the Dolphins on December 25th, Christmas Day. Second year in a row, the Packers are playing on Christmas Day. Then you got January 1st. You got the, uh, you got the Minnesota Vikings, January 1st. Happy New Year. Followed by the Lions on either the 7th or the 8th of January to close things out for the second straight year. This time Detroit's coming to Green Bay rather than Green Bay to Detroit. But the Packers are closing out against Detroit for the second straight year. And uh, you have two divisional games to start the year, two divisional games to end the year, which the NFL wants to do um, to try to add some uh, you know, meaning to these last couple games of the year because one of the division, you got to beat your division or opponents. And I don't think the, the Lions are going to be – I think they're going to be better than last year, but I don't think they're uh, – quite ready to make that next jump. And looking at the the game on the schedule on paper, I don't see any reason why the Packers can't win 11 or 12 games. I'm not going to you know say 13 or 14 or 6 or 8 whatever. I just don't see any reason why they can't win 11 or 12 and I don't see any reason why they can't get a, a bye again. It, it, it's a, a favorable schedule with a tough stretch in there, but I'm excited to see um I think we're excited to see. I, I think I'm excited to see what happens in this 2022 season. How this team gets. How this team comes together. How this team prepares. I think this is going to be a team that might have some growing pains early in the year, as Rodgers is getting comfortable with his weapons, his new weapons, his old weapons. Not having Devontae, uh, the defense gets adjusted to playing with one another, with the new guys and the old guys. Special teams trying to find their identity. I think there might be some growing pains the first few weeks of the year. I'm not saying they're going to lose games, but it may not be, it may not look as good as the Packers are going to look in the final stretches. And the big thing is you go into the playoffs with some momentum, go into the playoffs, you know, red hot, and see what happens. So that that's my thought on the Packers schedule. And last but not least, for the third time in his career, Kristen Yelich hit for the cycle. For the third time in his career, Christian Yelich hit for the cycle against the Cincinnati Reds. There's not a lot of people that have hit for three cycles in their career, and there's nobody except for Christian Yelich that has hit for three cycles against one team in his career. And I, I, I asked a question going into the show, and I was previewing the show, is Christian Yelich back? Is Christian Yelich back to being the Christian Yelich of old? And I'm not quite ready to to, to crown Christian Yelich the Christian Yelich of old, but I think he's closer to being back to the MVP form than the Christian Yelich we saw the last two seasons. So right now in 2022, 
and 112 at-bats. He's got 22 runs and 29 hits, 5 home runs, 20 RBIs, and then he's slashing 259 average, 356 on base, and 833 OPS. And on surface, it doesn't look that good. It doesn't look that great. It doesn't look like we should be jumping up and down in joy. But when you look at it this way, in the last seven games, Yelich has 10 hits and 28 at-bats, two home runs, six RBIs, struck out just four times, batting a 357, 438, 750 for slugging. Um, last 15 games, he's got 18 hits and 56 at-bats with four home runs, 12 RBIs, eight walks, 10 strikeouts, and he's batting 321, 415, 643. Last 30 games, he's got 29 hits and 109 at-bats, and he's batting 266, 362, 495. So Yelich is getting better and better each and every game, and he's starting to hit the baseball much, much better than he has in a while. And he, again, I'm not saying he's back to MVP, MVP form, but he's starting to get back. He's getting closer to that than what we saw um, last. He's getting further away from what we saw last year and the year before and getting closer to his MVP form. And that's huge for Milwaukee. I know the pitch in the past past couple games hasn't been that great. The starting pitching supposed to be their strength, but Woody's struggling. Hauser's struggled his last appearance. Peralta's been up and down. Corbin Burns has been Corbin Burns as of late. And uh, and Eric Lauer has just been incredible. But overall, the pitching has struggled lately. And it's not the pitching we we're expecting. But if this pitching gets back to form, what we saw last year, if Christian Yelich gets back to close to what he was as the MVP, this team, the sky's the limit. Because Roddy Telez is playing great baseball. Um, Hunter Renfro is starting to get hot. Colton Wonk starting to heat up a little bit. Luis Urias, uh, one of your team leaders last year, he's back off the injured list. Andrew McCutcheon will be back off the COVID list soon. He's been clutch when you need him the most. And this team is looking pretty good. The one huge week, and Willie Adamas is Willie Adamas. I can't believe I almost forgot about Willie Adamas. The one question mark weak spot in this team lineup that I really see at the moment is Lorenzo Cain offensively. But I think if you get the other guy's bats going, like Navaez, if he starts getting hot, and the other guys I mentioned start batting pretty good, Yelich is Yelich, I think Lorenzo Cain's defense offsets what he offers offensively. So I, I, think it, I don't think the value is diminished at all with what Lorenzo Cain gives you based off what he gives you in the field. He still has good wheels out there. I think the Brewers are splitting his time very well right now with Tyrone Taylor. But I do think eventually Tyrone Taylor is going to be getting a lot of those at-bats from Lorenzo Cain um, if Tyrone Taylor can take it. And right now Tyrone Taylor hasn't done enough to, to take that position away from Lorenzo Cain um, because... Tyrone Taylor's bat has not outweighed the value of having Lorenzo Cain out there playing center field. And and Tyrone Taylor's not he's not a slouch 
out there in center field either. He's pretty good as a fielder. But he's not Lorenzo Keene. He's not a gold glove. And he, as I, as I mentioned, his, his, uh, his bat hasn't been there enough to overtake what Lorenzo Keene gives you at overall. Will it? I hope so, because if, if Tyrone Taylor can give you, uh, with a bat, uh, a lot more that he, he's, he, he's outdoing what Lorenzo Cain's doing defensively, that, that's going to be a, a really good thing for Milwaukee. But he's batting right now in his last 7, 250, the last 15, 245. Uh, but he's currently at 215 on the season. And maybe if he gets more at-bats, maybe he gets more comfortable in there. But he needs to take advantage of every opportunity he gets to try to to, to totally take that job away from Lorenzo Cain. Until he, until he shows that he's ready to take that job from Lorenzo Cain every day, it's Lorenzo Cain gives you the best option out there, even though if his bat has become a bit of a liability. That's why you hide him 7-8-9 in the lineup. That's why you put him there. So with that said, thank you so much for listening to this week's Talking Sports with Evan. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, for supporting, for subscribing. Podcast is found anywhere podcasts are found. Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, you name it. We got it. You got the show. And again, hope you all have a great and safe and wonderful weekend. And I'll get back at you next week, hopefully talking Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. But we'll see what happens tomorrow. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one.